0: Well, if you have your Bibles, if you would go over to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 18, Acts 18, and we're going to be dealing with the first 11 verses, Acts eighteen, one through 11. I'd like to read that now. After this, Paul left, left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila and a native, a native, of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome, Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive... He shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue, and he went next door to the house of Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. <clears throat> Words that was spoken by Abraham Lincoln says this, I am now the most miserable man alive whether I shall ever be better I cannot tell well these words were spoken by Abraham Lincoln following a, a, a series of failures in his life and that had just cast him in, in, into a, a pit of despair and they certainly illustrate the fact that nearly every one of us gets discouraged on occasions you are you are a rare person If you never get down in the dumps, you are rare if you never lose your enthusiasm for your job or for schoolwork or for your marriage or Sunday school class or life in general. In fact, the more successful you are, the more vulnerable you are to discouragement. You see, anxious people, they set high goals for themselves, and when they fail to reach those goals, that's discouraging to them. Now, one of the things we probably need to understand is there's a big difference between depression and discouragement. You see, depression is a prolonged melancholy usually brought about by a series of events. Discouragement is a temporary loss of enthusiasm for a particular project. Like, discouragement focuses on a goal that seems unattainable for whatever the reason, and some temperaments are more prone to discouragement than others. You know, some people, they hardly ever get discouraged. Others, they struggle with discouragement frequently. But the most important factor is this. It's not how often you get discouraged, but how you handle it. You know, do you persevere? Do you tenaciously work it through to victory? Or do you just bail out and quit? So how do you handle it when it comes along? Like Abraham Lincoln the apostle paul knew what it was like to be discouraged in 2 corinthians the first chapter verses 8 and 9 it says we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about the hardship we suffered in the province of asia we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life indeed our hearts we felt the sentence of death but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God, who raises the dead, <clears throat> we're not really sure when that experience of despair hit the Apostle Paul. But it certainly seems fit um, to fit into this time frame when he was in, when he came to the city of Corinth here on his second missionary journey. I know in First Corinthians, the second chapter, in verse three, it says, "I come to you in weakness and fear, and with much trembling." You see a little backstory here. Paul had just been driven out of Macedonia by his, his opponents. He had been blandly tolerated by the intellectuals in Athens, and now he, he came timidly to Corinth. His, self, his self-esteem may have been low. His confidence may have been shaken. He may have been discouraged at this point in his, in his ministry. And then we see that God appeared to Paul in a vision to encourage him. Paul remained in Corinth for 18 months, the longest he stayed at any missionary stop in his entire journey up to this point. He established a large church there at Corinth, and Paul was able to work through his discouragements and emerge victorious. And that's one of the reasons why we're looking at this story today, is because we are discouraged. There's people discouraged because of this this, uh, lockdown, you know, and the quarantine. People get discouraged of counseling school and counseling ball teams and and, uh, moving dates of all kinds of things. People get discouraged. Well, I believe every one of us needs to understand the causes and the cures for discouragement. We see one of the reasons Paul could have been discouraged at this point is the wickedness of Corinth. You know, sin can be a discouragement if you participate in it, or you can be uh, discouraged if you're seeking to overcome it. Either way, discouragement can set in. Corinth, you see, it it was an awful city. It was a cosmopolitan city. It was a seaport town. It was also the crossroads between the east and the west. And the sailors, they loved to stop at the port of Corinth because it was noted for its loose morals. You know, they had Um, They had a temple to the goddess Aphrodite, attended by a thousand prostitutes there. In fact, the phrase to live like a Corinthian was synonymous with hedonism in that day, kind of the pursuit of of pleasure. Um, Well, Paul came to this city. He came to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wanted to tell these people that, that Christ wants to forgive their sin and to give them real life. In other words he wanted to share the good news with them but that would require repentance and a change of lifestyle it would require controlling of their selfish, their sinful selfish appetites and when he saw these pleasure seeking indulgent people of Corinth he could have felt a sense of futility about his mission there <clears throat> you see anytime you have a task in which you feel like your responsibility is greater than the resources, then the seedbed for weeds of discouragement is created. You know, when you feel like that your responsibilities are greater than your resources, it's just a seedbed for the weeds of discouragement to to grow. A second reason for discouragement. Paul may have been discouraged because of loneliness. If you remember, Paul was rushed out of Berea because his enemies sought to kill him. He left his traveling companions Timothy and Silas behind. He went to Athens alone, and now he's come to Corinth alone. And if you're alone for any period of time, that's fertile soil for discouragement too. Charles Schultz in Peanuts, he defined loneliness as being alone when you don't want to be. A widow, a college student, a single person who comes home to an empty apartment alone and fixes dinner for one, Um, a soldier. Each of them knows what loneliness is all about. And let's not forget, you can even feel alone in a crowd. If there's nobody in that crowd of people who knows you or who cares about you, that only intensifies your loneliness. So yes, you can be lonely even in a crowd. And there are plenty of people and Corinth, but no one who Paul could actually share with. Every day, you walk the streets when you're about town, you can hear people having conversations something to this effect. How are you doing? Well, I'm great. How are you doing? They're doing fine. How about yours? They're doing fine, too. You enjoy the game last night? Well, yes, I did. We're doing better. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Sometimes, those are the best friends. And that's about as deep as we get. You know, if all we have is surface relationships, that's discouraging because we're never able to relax and just be ourselves. We're never, uh, we never have the assurance that I'm accepted just as I am. So we have many layers around us to protect ourselves, and it takes a while to peel those layers away. If we never, ever develop, a deep enough relationship with other people to relax and let them see ourselves as we truly are. If we always have to put on the happy face and be up and give good advice, then that just intensifies the loneliness. Third reason for discouragement. Paul could have been weary. Now, judging from Paul's itinerary on his second missionary journey, He could have been emotionally and physically exhausted. Think about this. Paul traveled 2,000 miles. 1,500 of those miles he walked. This would be like walking from Columbia to Disney World and back in a year. And when you travel, you know as well as I do, you eat at different places, you sleep in different beds, you maintain a different schedule, and it's exhausting when you're on vacation. How many of you, when you've ever come back from vacation, you say, man, I need a vacation from my vacation. You know, that just happened. Vacations are exhausting. Well, Paul's health was not at its best, and he was not even on vacation. Every place he went, he suffered pressure. The stress of opposition and the financial pressure, the pressure of trying to preach the gospel wherever he went, he was under a massive amount of pressure. Was Dr. Thomas Holmes and his colleagues at the University of Washington developed a a famous stress test, and they originally did their work for the military to correlate the connection between pressure and disease. They related the severity of of different problems that people had, Um, and in this, this rating, it was able to tell them um, how bad someone may end up being. Well, for an example, the death of a spouse was 100 stress points. Divorce was 73 stress points. A jail sentence was 63 stress points. And they said if you experience between 200 and 250 stress points in a year, the chances are that you would have a serious illness. But if you experience between 300 and 350, stress points in a year, chances are 80% or better that you would suffer an emotional-physical breakdown. Well, if you translate those figures to the Apostle Paul's experience on his missionary journey, his jail sentence, his split with uh, Barnabas, his personal injury, and when he was persecuted, it's estimated that Paul had 420 stress points during that time. No wonder he was exhausted. No wonder he was a prime candidate for despair. Folks, every person has a limit. And once you get run down emotionally or physically, it's easy to lose your vision and become discouraged. A fourth reason for discouragement. Paul dealt with repeated rejection. Now, from a human perspective, Paul had experienced a lot of failure on his trip. In one city after another, he had been ridiculed, arrested, he had been stoned. He had some dramatic successes, but opposition was so strong and failure was so frequent. In Corinth, the Jews, they opposed Paul, and they became abusive. Now, that's an old story, but Paul's reaction was strong, you see. In the 18th chapter of Acts, verse 6, part of our text says, but when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Someone said that's about as close um, as Paul ever came to swearing. Paul was irritable. He was under a lot of pressure. And it's easy to understand why. When you look at the things that happened to the Apostle Paul, it's a wonder he even made it um, to keep up with what he was doing. But he was irritable. He was under pressure. Now, had he been in a positive spirit and had he been rested, he might not have been so short. Don't you just get the feeling that Paul, he had had enough? When you look at what Paul said, he had had enough. We see experiences of failure, they can take us into the pit of despair quickly. And this is especially true if you're a perfectionist or if you're an ambitious person. Because you see, your emotional state is so closely tied to your accomplishments that when you fail to achieve your your self-imposed standards, your confidence is shaken and your self-esteem declines and discouragement begins to set in. This is why some of the world's most successful people had periods in their lives where they felt like they were total failures. I mean, think about it. Elijah, Moses, Churchill, Lincoln, Spurgeon, Hemingway, and others, they felt that they were total failures at this point in their lives. And folks, with some of the things that's going on now in this lockdown, teachers having to withdraw and being robbed from that time and that opportunity, to uh, finish molding and shaping those special kids in their class, those ones that they they really wanted to excel and and to move along. They wanted to impart some some good wisdom and knowledge to these kids. And what about the kids that wanted to play ball or to be on the varsity team next year, and they knew that they would get enough experience this year, but yet that's been taken away from them? Folks, there is all kinds of reasons for discouragement. And I think we're facing a lot of discouragement today. But one of the things we need to understand is we don't need to give up. We need to look at some of the resources for keeping on so that discouragement will not set in. Even though the Apostle Paul had all these reasons for quitting, he didn't quit because God gave him the means to keep going. And God gives us the means to to keep going. Let's look at one thing here. God provided Paul with some solid friendships. Look at verse 2. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them. Well, here's a little bit of the backstory to help us to understand that. They had left because in 49 AD, the emperor Claudius had banished all the Jews from Rome. Well, Paul immediately found some things um, in common with this couple. And the biggest was that they were Christians, and so was he. The second resource for keeping, keeping on. Paul shared a common trade with these people look at verse 3. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Now, they were strangers in a foreign country, and they were looking for companionship. They had, came, they had come from Rome, and Paul, he always wanted to go to Rome, so immediately they had something to share. They had something in common. And like Paul, they knew what it was like to be persecuted because Claudius had kicked them out of the city. So Paul developed a a meaningful friendship with this Christian couple. Folks, when you're discouraged, you tend to withdraw from people, to isolate yourself, to say, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to have to pretend. I don't want to talk to anybody. But just the opposite is needed. What you need is exposure to people who care, who are sensitive to your needs, friends who will encourage you, I want to remind you of, of uh, Hebrews, the third chapter in verse 12 and 13. It says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When you get discouraged, you need to be with friends who care. Now, you might say, you know, I don't really have any friends like that. I don't have any friends but those with surface relationships. Let me tell you something. You can sit back and you can wail and you can moan and you can hope that somebody will come. But, you, but what you really need to do is to be unselfish yourself. Look for other people who need encouragement who need boosting up and go encourage them and boost them up then when you need encouragement they will return the favor you know if you want people to notice you when you're down and take time to encourage the, you then you go you know to someone else when they're down and you encourage them Proverbs the 18th chapter verse 24 says a man of many companions may come to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Folks, it's just that simple. Be an encourager to other people, and when you're needing encouragement, others will encourage you. The third resource for keeping on, Paul worked with his hands. Look at verse three, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Now, a little backstory here. In his youth, Paul studied to be a rabbi. And according to Jewish practice, every rabbi had to learn a trade so that they wouldn't have to take any money for their teaching or their preaching. And the rabbi was less likely to become a detached scholar uh, that way. He knew what it was like to be a working man. Paul knew that. Paul's parents had taught him the craft of tent making. And so when he came to Corinth, he began to work with his hands because he was broke. He didn't have any money, but he had something to rely on. He began to work with his hands. Now, this really may seem insignificant at first, but it was probably helpful to Paul in overcoming this discouragement. You know, I know some people, you know, they can get all all tensed up and they can go to knitting or they can go to sewing or they can go build things. I know I can start working with my hands and kind of ease the tension sometime. It was Jay Wallace Hamilton has an interesting article about depression. He says one way to help yourself out of it is to do something with your hands, because that's not only a diversion, but it provides a sense of accomplishment. You know, there's so many people who have jobs in intangible areas of social work or teaching or, or technological areas where we don't see immediate accomplishment. But when you do something with your hands, whether it's baking a cake or weeding a garden or mowing the grass or finishing furniture, you know, when you're done, you have a sense of accomplishment. You have done something and you can see what you've done. So do something with your hands. If you're discouraged, do something with your hands. Maybe Paul felt alone. Maybe he felt rejected and emotionally drained but he could still make tents, and people could still buy them, and he could still support himself. He didn't have to keep on preaching and taking all the abuse. He had a way to escape, and sometimes we just need to take a break and rest. Do something else. Do something with your hands. A fourth response for keeping on. Paul maintained his spiritual priorities in Acts 18.4, our text. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade the Jews and Greeks. You know, he just kept on doing it. When Paul and, and uh, or when Silas and Timothy, they came with a love offering from the churches at, at Macedonia, Paul was able to quit making tents, and he was able to give himself full time um, to his preaching. Paul refused to quit, and his primary purpose of life, which was evangelism, he just didn't give up. He did not quit. Even though his mood wasn't good all the time, he kept on doing what God had called him to do. You can call it perseverance. You can call it staying power or stick-to-itiveness or tenacity or spunk. But it's that quality of character that refuses to quit, regardless of how you feel. This is the characteristic that separates the accomplisher from those who do nothing. A successful person keeps getting back up when he's knocked down. You see, Paul had taken abuse, and he had taken persecution, but he kept coming back for more, and he began to realize some successes because he kept coming back, because he never gave up. Get this. He was kicked out of the synagogue, but he went right next door and started a church at the home of Titus Justice there. Now, this had to be galling. To the Jews that he went right next door and he opened up a church right next door. But Crispus, the synagogue ruler, became a Christian. Look at verse 8. This is sweet. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. You see, Paul had a momentum going his way. Perser- uh, persistence pays it's persistence that enabled the snail to make it to the ark. You folks, when you're discouraged, it's important to maintain your spiritual routine. When you're discouraged, that's the time when you're tempted to stay away from the church. When you're discouraged, that's the time when you're tempted to withdraw. That's the time when you're ne- tempted to neglect your par- prayer life. And that's the time when you're tempted to dabble in the pleasures of this world as a diversion. And the devil's good at what he does, folks. And when you're down, that's when he pounces. But that only compounds your problem, you see. It adds additional feelings of failure and guilt. We don't want to give up. Galatians 6 and verse 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up, if you don't feel like going to church, go anyway. If you don't feel like having church online when we can't get together, have it anyway. If you don't feel like singing when you come to church, sing anyway. If you don't feel like being pleasant and kind to people, be pleasant and kind to people anyway. If you don't feel like going to work tomorrow, do it anyway. If you don't feel like working hard, do it anyway. And eventually, you'll find out that if you're persistent in doing what is right, your spirit will pick up. I really like what William James said, the psychologist said. He said, if you act the way you wish you feel, eventually you'll feel the way you act. Man, I like that. I'm going to say that again so you can catch that. If you act the way you wish you feel, eventually you'll feel the way you act. A fifth resource for or, uh, for keeping on. Paul was encouraged by God himself. Look at verse 9. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. What a boost that had to be, have been for Paul to get a special message from God that way. You know, God's probably not going to appear to you or me in a vision, but his message to us would be the same. He said, do not be afraid. Do not give up. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. God wants the Christian to be bold. He wants you and I to be fearless, be free to achieve. Listen to what he said to Paul in verse 10, for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. You see, God knows what we can take. He knows what we can stand. In 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and verse 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Paul had reached his limit, so God gave him a year and a half of temporary relief. You know, it might be that God has seen that some of us have reached our limit and he's given us a few weeks of relief so that we can become closer to him, so that we can have family meals together again, so that we can worship together again, so that we can see the dad being the head of the home and the mother being the heart of the home. Maybe God's given us some time to to think about that. You see, don't be afraid. God is with you. He told Paul, don't be silent. Keep on speaking. Don't worry about how people respond. That's my task. You must share the message. I'll take care of the results. You know, I have many people in this city. Don't view Corinth as a city of hostile uh, worldly people, but view it as a city of potential converts who will join you in a great church one day. Keep a positive spirit, regardless of the opposition. You know, I've seen a commercial that I've told Valerie many times, I really like this commercial, and I didn't really know the background, and I'm not even sure I, this is where it's from, but it sure fits the same, the same illustration. Dr. Charles Swindle, in his book, Growing Through the Changing Seasons of Life, he tells about a time when padrusky the famous pianist-composer, had a concert in America. And this was a social extravaganza, you know, complete with tuxedos and long dresses and the whole shebang here. Well, before the concert began, a young mother brought her nine-year-old fidgety child to the seats near the front, and she had brought him there against his will. You know, she wanted him to hear this great pianist and hope that he would be inspired to practice. But while she was turned to uh, talk to a neighbor, the boy slipped out of his seat and was drawn to the platform by that beautiful ebony grand piano. And without being noticed, he just sat down and this little nine-year-old boy um, with his trembling fingers on the piano keys, he started to bang out chopsticks. Well, the murmuring of the crowd subsided when they heard the, the music that was coming from the stage, and everybody turned to the platform. And now they were kind of looking in anger and, and yelling, Get that man out of here! You know, uh, who is that kid? You know, what mother or what parents would let that kid go up there and, and uh, embarrass himself that way? This is not that kind of place, but the great pianist was just a a few feet off stage behind the curtain and he could see what was going on. And quickly, he just slipped on his coat and he went out unannounced to the platform and he bent over the boy with his arms reaching around him and improvised a counter melody that harmonized with chopsticks to make it sound like a wonderful masterpiece. And as Perdruski played with this young man, he kept whispering to him, Don't stop, son. Keep going. Don't quit. Keep going. Well, folks, maybe you're hammering out some task in your life that you feel is almost futile. It seems to you about as productive as chopsticks in a concert hall. Well, I hope you will hear the words of our Heavenly Father. Don't quit. Keep going. Don't be weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So this morning, if you're dealing with discouragement, don't give up. It's not worth it. God is with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for having your hand on our shoulders. Father, thank you for being there when we need you. Father, we want to thank you for getting our attention when we need our attention to be gotten. Father, you've blessed us in so many ways, we don't even know how to say thank you. You're so good to us. And Father, thank you for your word and the example of others. We can see that we're not the only ones having a problem. We're not the only ones that get discouraged. People from the beginning of time have been discouraged, but you've always been there for them. Father, help us to never, ever forget that. Help us never to give up. In Jesus' name.